Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we have an interesting program tonight. Uh, one of the major topics uh, facing small businesses uh, is, should they go to the cloud? And if so, uh, how should they do it? Uh, but one of the major areas they they always uh, express concern to us about in our surveys is uh, security uh, and uh, ease of communication. So we reached out and asked Adam Simpson, CEO of Easy Off Phone, to come on and talk about the five myths of cloud-based communications and security. And I promise, I think we're going to have a real interesting conversation. Adam, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me to here today, Don. Well, as we always do, uh, we're, we're happy to have experts on the show. If for no other reason, I learn a lot. Um, and hopefully our audience does as well. But as we always ask uh, our guests, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into this topic. Well, I've uh, I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I had a um, a company before Easy Office Phone that I founded, an uh, internet advertising company. Um, and um, Easy Office Phone, I started out of uh, university, actually, and... Um, <clears throat> one of the programs I was in, we were looking at uh, developing some software for um, uh, stock trading, and um, we needed a telecom solution to um, uh, link all the uh, professors and myself and the software developers together. And um, <clears throat> I came up with Easy Office Phone at that point because um, everybody was working at different universities in different locations, and. Um, <clears throat> we needed a solution that you could work from anywhere and um, work at home, work at school, um, work on your, your mobile phone. And uh, Easy Office Phone um, took off from that point, and I, I decided to pursue it full-time. Well, um, I don't want to make a, this a commercial for Easy Office, but what's, what's different about Easy Office Phone uh, uh, that brings us to the topic of, of the uh, secure, uh, cloud security myths. Um, e Easy Office Phone is um, different than uh, other uh, hosted uh, PBX providers because um, we we can provide a, um, a managed uh, layer two type internet service along with our uh, cloud-based voice, which allows us to 
um, deliver the voice over um, an internet connection that is secured and it can't be um, basically we can encrypt the uh, voice packets as they're traveling uh, from our data centers to the customers uh, IP telephones Oh, you mean the, the N NSA proof? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's. I'm not sure. I could say it's NSA proof, but uh, um, it is encrypted, so it's definitely difficult to. Uh, um, it's it's much more secure than traditional phone lines, which are easy, much easier to to tap. Well, let me ask you. Um, uh, why would a small business or any business want secure lines like that? Well, I mean, I think small businesses uh, um, need to think about security. Um, there's a lot of um, software that's being installed on computers without their knowledge. Um, there's a, um, telephones and, and confidential information are always uh, up for grabs from, uh, you know, past employees or, or or competitors. So I think that um, when you're dealing with the public internet where basically um, information is flowing freely, uh, I think you need to think about security and, and your business and, and keeping proprietary information and, and things like that from uh, people that shouldn't have it. Well, okay. But now let's talk about the, the five myths that... Uh, uh, I know some of them, but uh, what, what are the myths about um, the cloud that, that we want to talk to, to our audience about today? Well, I think the first uh, myth about um, hosted PBX or voice over IP is that um, voice quality um, might be unsuitable or, or of poor quality. And uh, um, the, the truth behind that is that with a suitable interconnection, internet connection, um, digital phone service or voice over IP can actually deliver um, a very high quality um, sound in comparison to traditional uh, copper telephone lines. In fact, um, IP phones now um, actually, if you're t if you're talking on them, they actually sound better than traditional landlines. The voice reproduction that they're capable of is much better, and um, you know, with a, a good quality internet connection, um, the the sound quality is superb. Well, I'm I'm on an um, inter cloud internet. Are you? I am. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, you're certainly coming in clear. I hope I am too. But um, so that's number one. Uh, give us another. This is your show. I'm just here to get the questions <laughs> out. So, so the next myth um, I want to touch on was that uh, technology is less secure. So a lot of um, uh, companies out there believe that voice over IP or moving to the cloud in general is less secure. The truth is is that um, when you have an on-premise phone system or you're maintaining servers in your office, whatever it would be, you have a lot of... Um, there's a lot that you need to know to to keep a, an on-premise phone system secure. Um, there's been lots of stories about people who have hacked um, traditional PBX systems, made hundreds of thousands of dollars in in um, uh, fraudulent charges. And there was a story just recently: a company for over a hundred thousand dollars was um, they lost because of their uh, on-site PBX was hacked, and 
the truth is is that when you go to a cloud-based phone service or or even a cloud-based software as a service type solution, whether it's CRM or or email or something like that, you're dealing with professional, you're dealing with companies that have large systems and that they can secure all those systems at once and they, it's their job to know how those systems work and how to keep them secured. So, um, sorry, did you want to ask something? No, you first. No, you first. Oh, okay. I was going to I was going to say that um whether you're encrypting voice packets to keep your um your voice secure or whether you're using a private internet connection to ensure that data is not uh, traveling across the public internet. Um there's a lot of reasons to go to a cloud-based phone service or or um you know something like Salesforce or any any type of software as a service where um the, you're basically going to a company and they can protect your data in their their data centers. So they have the expertise, they have the knowledge to do that, and they're going to keep up with the software updates. Somebody who's running a server in their office, which which people do, whether it's an email server or an exchange server, they're they're responsible for keeping those software updates. They're responsible for making sure that their firewalls don't have a flaw in them. And we've heard a lot about that lately with um, new bugs coming out and and things. Um, where companies have to rush out and try and um, upgrade their systems. And not everybody wants to be in that business of, um, especially if you're a small business, of having to keep systems secure. Well, um, I know since you're in the industry, but until um, uh, I I was talking to your representative, I hadn't realized that that was such a, uh, uh, that security was such a big problem in in our communications, uh, but apparently you're saying it is. It is. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of old. Um, if you think about an old PBX system that has software, say the software was written in 2006. As soon as somebody finds a security hole in your phone system, they're going to be able to go out and exploit it. And that happened recently, as I said. Somebody, um, a company was taken for $100,000 in international calls with an on-premise PBX system. And you can't expect a small business to keep on top of software updates for a, 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 an on-premise phone system. And there's, you can, once, you, once you hack one system, you can get into other systems. So it, sometimes companies will stop doing updates for, for systems like that, and, and in which case bugs aren't even going to be fixed anymore. With a, a cloud-based phone service or any software as a service, you can expect the the carrier or the service provider to make sure that your phones, firmware on your phones, the software that runs them is up to date, that their systems are secured and firewalled properly, and that they're actually actively monitoring those systems, whether it's for international calls or fraud or any, you know, somebody's accessing your voicemail and they shouldn't be, those sorts of things. Well, what's another myth uh, that you want to discuss? Um, we so promised the next them five. Myth, five, right. I've got five. <laughs> the, the next myth I want to talk about was uh, scalability and that scalability being a limitation of, of cloud-based phone services. So the, the truth of it is is that cloud-based phone services are vastly more scalable than on-site or on-premise um, PBX systems. And, and just for if, if you're not sure what a PBX system is, a, a PBX system is basically your on-site phone system. That's what we're talking about. It's just a fancy term right. for the on-site physical phone system that you'd have in your office connected to traditional phone lines. So 
when there's no when when you go to a cloud-based system, there's no need to install a physical phone system on your premise. So that means the there's the initial deployment and is is rapid and simple when you're going to a cloud-based phone system. You can basically deploy um, IP phone systems at any location in the world. Um, they they're plug and play, so they're easy to to scale up. You can as as a business is growing, if you're growing really quickly, you can add more phone sets. Um, you don't need to have a, a, um, a technician to come in to um, reprogram your PBX. You don't need to buy a bigger uh, phone system because um, you've run out of modules or voicemail modules or hard drive space on your, your phone system. You basically can deploy soft phones on your computer or your Android or your iPhone um, and uh, IP PBX phones very quickly. And the, and the cost is lower, too. Instead of buying a system and having somebody install it, you can go out and get IP phones from a company like us. You plug them in. They're inexpensive. They start at about $100, and you're up and running very quickly. And that, that makes sense even for, like if you have a business that's two people and you're both working at home, um, you can basically have a, a Fortune 500 phone system for uh, very little. You buy two phones. You plug them into your internet connection. You go through the web portal. You set up your auto attendant. And and um, your dialing rules, and all of a sudden you have a great phone system. So it's it's much cheaper than going out and spending a couple thousand dollars on a phone system. And if you're a bigger company, it could be tens of thousands of dollars. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Adam. I go out and I buy two phones for, for two offices. Home. I plug them into the computer, into one of those jacks in the, in the computer, yeah, it's uh they're um Cat5, so they they plug into your router. Um if uh, you've, you've you probably have a router at home with uh five or six ports on it and they just have ethernet connections. So you just plug them in the same way as your computer. Computers can can talk over wireless networks too. The IP phones generally have to be wired uh with a network connection. But they just you just plug them into your your inexpensive router and that's it. Oh, so you uh, you need a router for each each uh, if the offices are not adjoining, you you need a router to to uh, um, you, you need you need a, ra a router to uh, for each office. Am, am I well, most, hearing you correct? Most most internet connections come with a, a combination modem router nowadays, um, and so you probably don't even realize it's a router, but it is and. Each each office doesn't need a router, but each um, internet connection. So if you have one internet connection for the whole office, there would be one router. If you if you have multiple internet connections at different offices, each one would have a router. So you don't need Do you, you don't need a router at each office. Um, uh, could you do it so that um, it, you you could do it by wireless, but but they have to be physically uh, 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 plugged into the router. The the IP telephones need to be physically connected to the router. If you want to do if you want to do a wireless solution, there's um, portable handsets um, that you can get from us that um, are just look like portable phones with a hold and transfer and conference buttons on them. And you can also install a soft phone on your computer, your Mac or your PC, and you just plug a USB headset into your your laptop, and and your phone basically goes everywhere you you want. You can install the application, um, our app, on 
your iPhone or your Android as well, and you can take it on the road. Um, I was I was recently down in uh, Utah, and I I had mine installed on my Android, and it was great. So when I got off the plane, I could answer my phone calls and call customers back and things like that. Uh, uh, what's the cost per phone after you buy it each month? Is it by usage, or is it what, what is it? So it's it's unlimited. It's unlimited uh, uh, calling in North America, and uh, same with receiving calls. And the the cost is about thirty thirty dollars a month per phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. well, let's go on to finish. If, the if you're a larger business, we do we have um, different plans for for larger businesses which are are scaled. Well, of course. Uh, um, but now let's go on. Uh, I think you have a couple of more myths. I'd love for you to. Uh, attack. So, so one of the um, myths that I identified was that this technology will be obsolete in a few years. So, um, my uh, reasoning behind um, thinking that that's a myth is that IP technologies are are really well established now in the telephone network. In fact, the um, FCC recently uh, voted to begin testing deployment of putting IP networks in place of existing uh, copper-based infrastructure. So the old analog telephone systems that they have in place, they're they're working to move everything over to um, an IP network. So an IP network is basically, um, instead of using copper-based um, infrastructure, like old analog telephone lines and, and things like that, they're going to move everything to fiber and everything will be basically um, an internet-based network. It won't necessarily go over the internet. It'll go over private network backbones, but it'll um, it'll all be IP-based. I'm not sure if you know under uh, know what I mean by IP-based, but uh, um, it, IP basically stands for Internet Protocol. So, um, well, uh, it, uh, I, I certainly didn't know, and I'm sure half my audience didn't know. But I'm glad you <laughs> explain all these ter- terms for me. Uh, I, I, I am what's called IT challenged, so ah. I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> well, and that's—I mean—that's one of the reasons we developed uh, this system is because it's easy to deploy. So you don't have to be. Um, one of the difficulties was with traditional phone systems is you had to have a telecom um, company come in, install a phone system, teach you how to use it. Um, set up the auto attendant for you, you had to pay them for that, wire all the phones with uh, telephone wire to each desk, put in a, a jack on the wall. Yes. And and if you and the problem with that is if you if you grow and you move offices, you have to have that whole system taken out and reinstalled in a new office. If you want to work at home for the day, say you're a, a lawyer or something, you want to take the afternoon off, uh, you have to call in to get your voicemail. You can't take your phone with you. You have to tell customers, look, call me on my cell phone. So uh, that really something like this system is a lot easier for any any company to employ to deploy whether you're technical or not. You can put put the phones in, you can take you can install one at home, you can install one at your desk, you can install it on your Android. It's easy to use, it's easy to set up and and um unlike a traditional PBX system, you've got uh, a company that you can call or you can go online and chat with an agent live. Um, and ask them questions about your system or how you do something. How do I forward calls to my cell phone? I'm going to, you know, Italy or something. So it, it makes it um, really easy for them. 
Um, I have a lot more questions for you. Uh, little, uh, I think you have one more myth, if I, if I, I kept count correctly. Right, I do, and I think I probably covered it a little bit with the um, the other points, but my other myth was that the cost of switching to a cloud-based phone system is expensive. And what I wanted to say about that is that um, moving to a cloud-based service is actually very cost-effective. I mentioned that um, there's no need for the on-site um, hardware, the on-premise PBX system that you traditionally would have to um, deploy. I also mentioned that initial setup was less costly because most cloud providers now ship hardware pre pre programmed and ready to plug and play. So you just plug it in and it's ready to go. And whether a company chooses to install the phones themselves or hire an IT company, the, the work time is minimal because there's n there's no complex systems to put in. Um right. there's Right. So there's there's truth to the concern that um, equipment designed for analog systems may not be inherently compatible with cloud-based solutions. So if you have a, a traditional PBX system and you have 50 handsets and you want to go to a cloud-based system, you do have to invest in new um, uh, new IP phones because they're not compatible with the old analog-style uh, systems. However, the majority of today's legacy phones can be used with digital phone services if... Um, if the company provides uh, an analog to digital um, converter, however, most com most um, companies don't don't go that route. They want the full featured IP phones because you can put people on hold, you can transfer, you can um, conference, and um, one of the nice thing about these phones is you can see all the other staff whether they're on the phone or not. So right now I can see. Um, whether staff are on the phone at any one of our offices in North America. And that's that's really handy because you can say to a client that such and such person's on the phone right now and would you like their voicemail, even though they're not physically anywhere close to me right now, which you couldn't do with traditional phone systems. You couldn't tell whether someone was on the phone. It sounds ex exciting. But um, let, me, um, let me ask you another question. Uh, it seems it seems to me uh, every day I get um, announcements of new uh, cloud com companies, um, and, and every day I get the um, uh, I get the, the potential customers and uh, uh, potential customers saying uh, I'm scared of the internet. Uh, uh, pretty soon I won't uh, have any uh anything in my office but one computer and it seems to get them scared have you found that in your marketing to be the case um i think we have um i mean going cl to a cloud-based system is scary for a lot of companies because they they're not familiar with the technology it's the cloud-based systems are fairly new and they don't the difference is when you had a physical system in your office, you knew how it worked. You knew that you could go in the back room and you could look at it, and that this is this is where it is. And the difference is, though, that with on-premise systems, is you have risks of data loss, you have risks of somebody um, breaking into it or stealing your data or hacking it, or I mean, it could fail on you in the middle of the day. We had a customer recently where the, their PBX system failed. And um, they quickly needed an, uh, a cloud-based solution from us because they had no phone system whatsoever. 
so I think that that small businesses um, are uh, are some of them are scared of going to the cloud-based system, and so we're trying to get the word out to explain to small business owners what the benefits of going to a system is, why there's security, why you've got um, companies who understand these systems, and why your data is secure in in these data centers. So, and I I, I personally think that that everybody should be moving to a cloud-based system for whether it's email or CRM or phones. It just makes a lot of sense. Well, why? I, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, as a small business owner, I'm losing total control of, of my uh, operation. So uh, why should I be going to the cloud? You, you just gave the reasons, but uh, it, it just seems to me I'm giving up control. Well, I don't think you're giving up control because the data you still own the data, and you still have access to all the data. All you're really doing is you're moving your data from an on-premise system, a hard drive, to to a data center where the hard drive is is stored in the data center. So the data is is just being moved from from an on-premise system out to a data center. The difference is is now that data is more secure. Um, because you've got a, a company who who is protecting your data for you, who is monitoring it. Um, I think there's there's less there's less chance though that that somebody is going to be able to get into your data in the cloud than they are going to be able to get into your data on, in an office. Well, um, the name of your company again is Easy Office Phone. And how do people reach reach you? Um, they can reach us at easyofficephone.com, or they can visit. Uh, they can call us at one eight six 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 seven one zero one one one. Will you repeat it slower, please? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't write it down is, fast enough. Oh, one eight six 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 seven one zero one one one, and we can reach be reached on the web at easyofficephone.com. We've been talking with Adam Simpson, CEO of Easy Office Phone. We've been talking about the five myths of cloud-based communication and security. And he's certainly given me a, a lesson, and I, uh, I hope he'll come back next year and talk about it a year later or months later. We always like to keep up to date with our guests. Well, thanks a lot for having me here. I really enjoyed talking to you. That's your cue. That's your cue to say, come on, I want to be back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be back for sure. <laughs> uh, thank, uh, thank you, Adam, for being with us tonight. Great. Thanks for having me. And you do come in crystal clear. That the, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, our next guest is Cindy Towers. She founded a, a company that allows purchases, purchases of legal services to achieve significant value by utilizing lawyers in, in non-traditional ways. And she's also, the, the other reason she's on is she's been a mentor and someone who's helped other people, and we like that. Cindy, welcome to the program. Hi, Don. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, well, we always ask our guests first to tell a little bit about themselves, before their personal selves, before we get on to the other subject. 
Okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, I can start by saying that um, I'm probably um, genetically predisposed to being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, my parents were children of the Depression. My dad started his first business at age seven, delivering newspapers um, in uh, New England uh, on his bike in the middle of the snow. Um, and um, he went on, even despite not having a college degree, to you know become a serial entrepreneur. He um, had his own garage. He then owned um, a series of auto parts stores. And so I think being an entrepreneur is just in my blood. Um, despite that, um, I knew I didn't want to uh, really you know, get into a career of mufflers. Um, but um, despite that, that entrepreneurial thing, I thought maybe um, I would try something different than the rest of my family who was entrepreneurs, and I would go off to nursing school. So I um, left Connecticut and went to Villanova and um, loved Pennsylvania and became a nurse here in, in Philadelphia. Um, and I have to say it was one of the most rewarding um, jobs I ever had. Um, however, I knew I wasn't done yet. Um, I knew I still had some things I needed to do, and um, off to law school I went. And so um, I went to law school, fast forward, became what I thought was an actual course, a medical malpractice lawyer, um, combining my, my nursing background, and did that for about seven years. Um, by that point, I think I was mature enough to realize that, you know what, I, I really um, can't ignore this entrepreneurial thing any longer, and I realized I wanted to be part of growing something from the beginning. And so a colleague of mine, Jim Morris, and I were practicing law together at the time, um, decided that we were going to start a business, and this was in 1997. And um, it was uh, about the time that the concept of the temporary lawyer was just sort of taking root. And um, I had used a temporary lawyer to staff a big case that I was working on. My firm didn't have the bandwidth to handle. And uh, we thought it was a great idea. So off we set out to um, create a business. And uh, 17 years later, um, we are um, a certified woman-owned business. We have three verticals. Uh, we have a traditional legal staffing vertical, which was our legacy business under uh, Juristaff. We have um, a new and exciting vertical called SILA, which is Consider Your Legal Alternatives, and that is um, really a higher-level um, attorney. And um, we provide subject matter experts. We can outsource complete um, uh, business operations for um, our corporate clients and uh, our law firm clients as well. And then we also have an executive search vertical. So in a nutshell, that's, that's me, and that's Juris uh, uh, Solutions. Well, you certainly passed the five-year mark of being in business 17 years. What's the name of your company? Juris Solutions. Okay. It was, uh, you better uh, spell it. This is radio. Okay. It's J-U-R-I-S. O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, Solutions. So it's J-U-R-I-S, and the S is part of Solutions. Well, we all have to come up with that fancy thing that confuses us, uh, us all. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, um, uh, our parent company is I, uh, Information Strategies, Inc., and you'd be surprised the number of calls we're getting thinking we're uh, an Arab organization. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, anyway, so uh, let's first, uh, you came up with this idea. Um, let's talk about you as a business owner. Uh, what have, uh, you're now 17 years in. Uh, 
if I were to ask you, uh, what are the three things you've learned that you'd want to pass on? And I, I do know, understand you do mentoring, et cetera. But let's talk about uh, uh, for a small a small business leader. Almost, uh, almost uh, three out of every five listeners are presidents and or owners, according to our surveys. Um, what, have you, what are the three things you would say to them uh, after all this time? Um, the first thing I would say is um, find good mentors. And, um, you know, mentor doesn't necessarily have to be um, what you think of in a traditional sense. It doesn't have to be, you know, a teacher or a senior, you know, level executive. Um, it can be another peer. It can be a peer business. Um, I mentioned that we are a certified woman-owned business. And so we are um, a very, you know, I'm very active in WeBank, which is an association, a national association of uh, um of uh, you know women business enterprises, and so in there's you know in that organization there are over I believe over twelve thousand certified women owned businesses. So within the you know that that organization there are I mean, thousands of other women owned businesses that um, you can you know uh, share information you can learn from um, you can compare notes you can problem solve. It's um, it's an amazing camaraderie that um, you know you can you can develop, and so what I would say is find organizations that um, you know are uh, particular to you, whether it's your industry, whether you are a diverse or, or woman-owned business, whatever it is, find find peers and share with those peers. Um, I wish I had done more of that in the earlier years. Um, the next thing I would say is make sure that um, you, are, um, you have your finances under control. Um, work with a good accountant. Um, when you're starting a business, it's really hard. Money is tight. We all know that. But um, the, keeping your eye on the cash flow from day one and understanding the economics of your business, your margins, what your costs are, um, very, very important. Um, I I love to talk uh, talk about um, when I'm mentoring the I Love Lucy episode called The Million Dollar Idea, and she was going to bottle the salad dressing, and she and Alpha did a great job selling that, that salad dressing, and they had all these orders. But when Ricky found out, you know, he did the math, and she was losing three cents a jar. And so, you know, he looked at her. He said, you know, well, you're losing three cents a jar. She's like, yeah, well, we'll make it up on volume. And you know you don't you don't make you know you're you're losing three cents a jar. So you know it's what seems like a great idea, and you can have a great business and a great product or a great service, but if you don't have the economics down, you can really get into a lot of trouble. Um, and um, you know the third thing I would also say, and um, you know <laughs> looking from the, the profession I'm in, I feel an obligation to say this, um, is that you should make sure you have your legal ducks in order as well. Um, you know everything from um, you know when you're first starting out. It's expensive to hire lawyers, but there are um, economic options, and there are certain things that you should really consider using a lawyer for. Naming your company. I mean, for us, we our first day in business, we received a letter that the name we were using, someone was going to challenge the name, our first day. If that had happened five years into it after we had already developed brand equity, it would have been a very costly mistake. 
Um, and um, you know, same thing for your corporate documents. Make sure your corporate documents are in order. Uh, if you have partners, um, if you you know, if there's not just one person, you've got multiple people. Make sure you understand the implications of the business structure um, uh, very clearly because it could impact decisions. Um, you know, it could impact your ability to sell stock later uh, if you want to raise money. Um, oftentimes, young businesses, right? You want to go out and raise some capital to continue after you get going. Um, you got to make sure that your business documents don't limit your ability to do that. Okay, that's three good ones. Now, let's turn a little bit to uh, uh, why you think it's important to be a mentor. Um, I think that, um, you know, first of all, I feel very, very fortunate. Um, you know, it's been 17 years, and um, we've had a lot of good fortune in our business. And um, I I think I got into it a little late in the game, so I feel like I've got a lot of ground to make up. Um, we became certified by WeBank back in 2008. Um, we had been majority women-owned since 2000, um, but really, you know, and quite quite honestly, didn't really appreciate the significance of that um, until a uh, corporate client had suggested that certification would be in our best interest. So once I became introduced to WeBank and um, what that organization meant to women-owned businesses and the, the amazing women that had gone ahead and that were had these successful businesses and all that they were doing to give back to the, the smaller companies that were coming up behind them. Um, you know, it was um, it was very apparent to me that it was a win-win on all fronts, and so um, I rolled my sleeves up and dove in pretty deep. And um, you know, I support WeBank on the national level um, uh, as well as our local level. And you know, Jerry Swift, who runs the um, regional partner organization for WeBank here in, in Philadelphia, it's WeBank Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware, and Southern New Jersey. She is absolutely amazing. I consider her a mentor for me. Um, she has been advocating for women businesses um, for for many more years than I can count. And um, you know, I I try to emulate what she does for other other women businesses and. Um, it's uh, it's in part, you know, a way of paying back what uh, what I've been very fortunate to receive. Well, do do you find that by helping others, um, that they give back, or uh, I guess uh, how do people react to being mentoring, oh, being it's, mentored? It's, it's, it's amazing. I don't think there's anybody who's who's been a mentor that wouldn't say that what you get back is tenfold. By giving, it, you get back tenfold. It's, it's you know, um, to see, you know, um, uh, a young, you know, business start to get some traction um, and then turn, and then they will turn around and they will give give to the person next to them. Um, and, um, you know, it's and sometimes it's not new businesses that need the mentoring. Sometimes it's mature businesses. Um, you know, sometimes having, you know, a mature business can be as challenging, if not more challenging, because of, you know, shifts in market and things that happen um, as the world changes, people's businesses are impacted. And so having that support network of mentors um, is, uh, is really important. Well, I saw an interesting um, obituary in which the family asked, uh, 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 in, in lieu of flowers, that you do uh, one good thing for someone else. Fabulous. I, I, I thought it was uh, one of the better 
you, you know, I'm old enough that uh, I check the obituaries before I get up in the morning. If I'm not in it, I get up. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I've got a lot of friends that do that. <laughs> but um, well, you know, it's funny you should say that. I um, I was at a WeBank event in Florida um, in September, and I was talking to a very successful woman business owner, and we were talking about um, our corporate cultures and and you know things that she's initiatives that she's doing. And she um, about a few, uh, few months ago made a decision that every day before she starts her day, she was going to do three nice things for someone. So whether that means letting someone go in traffic line or, you know, um, tapping one of her employees on the shoulder to, to tell them they did a great job the day before, she, she does not start her day until she does three nice things for someone. And she said it has been an absolutely amazing experience. Well, you know, uh, I'm amongst the older generation, um, um, and uh, we, we older people uh, seem to look at this, uh, particularly this uh, generation 20 to 35, and uh, feel that, uh, uh, particularly for males, that that feeling isn't there. Uh, the, um, the feeling of doing for others, even though they'll, they'll do it in the abstract, uh, uh, the, the Brazilian uh, rainforest, but they don't seem to be uh, connecting um, back on a personal level. Um, would you care to comment on that? Yeah, um, I, I think that it's, it, you know, the, the most I can say about that is I think those of us who um, employ um, that generation, I think we have an obligation to give them opportunities to do that. Um, you know, I think we are in a, in a world today that is very foreign to the world that many of us grew up in. Um, you know, everything is electronics. People communicate. They, they text instead of, instead of call. Um, and so it is a different normal than we grew up with. But I think if, if when you're at work and they have opportunities, I know my team here, if they're given you know, any type of, of opportunity to participate in whether it's a run to raise money for a cause or um, you know, doing some type of charitable event, I mean, they're the first ones in line. I think they enjoy it. Um, I just think that maybe they need help um, finding the opportunities to do it, if that makes sense. Well, uh, uh, what shocked me um, a few weeks ago is I saw three uh, young people sitting ne uh, next to each other, texting to each other. <laughs> it just blew my mind. I know. Uh, it's a different world. Though, though they do say, though, you know, I'll give a plug for that generation because in some respects, though, they are great assets to have in your companies because they can process, the statistics show that they can process information so much faster than those of us who didn't grow up in that world because, I mean, we didn't have this much information. If you wanted information, you had to go to the library or an encyclopedia to look it up. They have so much information at their fingertips at any you know at any given moment, and that their brains are actually able to process it a lot faster than we are. So, for what it's well, worth. Uh, no, no, this is an interesting conversation. I promise you, an interesting conversation. You um, did. <laughs> uh, do you mentor primarily women, or do you also mentor uh, men as well? 
Um, I'd be more than happy to mentor to mentor uh, men as well. Um, the um, organizations that I'm involved in and support, you know, a lot of them are um, women-owned businesses. So the um, you know the exposure to women-owned businesses is greater. But I actually do have a few um, uh, businesses that are male-owned that uh, I work with as well. Well, do you see any? Do you see? Uh, I, I just saw a study uh, earlier this week that said uh, uh, women business owners uh, look at their businesses different than men, and that uh, uh, women tend to be more detailed oriented than than men in in managing their business. Have you seen the differences? Um, I can't say that I have. I I, I generally try not to, um, you know, um, uh, categorize and, and place people in categories because, uh, in, in all candor, I'm probably, you know, the exception to every rule. Um, so I I can't say that that um, um, you know men in general are not as detail oriented. Um, where I have noticed differences. Um, are really with respect to maybe the um you know the networking aspect the way we we interact with one another is perhaps a little bit different um you know women women um you know and their you know and and the way that we communicate with one another um is you know very uh different than i think men tend to communicate with their peers and so from a communication perspective, it's probably different, but in terms of managing the business, um, you know, um, you know, I, I mentioned Jim LaRosa that I started our business with, and Jim's one of the most detail-oriented individuals I've ever met in my life. So, um, and he's probably a lot more detail-oriented than me. When you said you're, you're probably different, um, uh, in what ways do you think you're different than than other? Uh, or business, let's stick with business business owners. Um, I I generally um, you know try to step outside the line, right, and to to look at things um, um, in a different way. And so if you know my thought processes are not always you know um, even when it comes to, even it comes down to you know the the marriage between family and and business um, I do things a bit differently you know you'll find my kids doing their homework at my office um, you know I um, you know you'll find me at the office at midnight um, you know I, I I tend to um, have some unconventional ways of doing things. Um, as my mother would have told you, she put beats to her own drum. <laughs> but um, it all it all works out. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's about having goals and having things you're trying to achieve, and everybody has to figure out the path to get there themselves. Well, I saw another survey that said women uh, are better able to balance work-life uh, uh, trade-offs than men. Do you think that's so? Um, I I I think it's probably true. I don't know if the word balance is the right word. Um, I just think you know, in in today's family, um, I mean, the dads have a lot more responsibility than they did when I was a kid. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, mom is responsible for a lot more things. Um, it's just the way the world is, and so we have more things to juggle. Um, 
And, um, you know, so in that respect, yes, I think we are better because I think there's just a few more things we have to juggle. Well, uh, Gloria Steinem was, uh, was just honored with a chair at Rutgers University. I, uh, we come to you from New Jersey. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, she was a first woman, a first person to uh, talk about the superwoman. And now she's, she's, she's saying 30 years later, well, uh, uh, maybe that, uh, that's a myth and maybe uh, it's too much, uh, asking too much of women to, to be super mom and super business person. Um, what do you That's th- fair. Uh, I'm sorry? That's fair. That, that's, you know, I, I, I think you have to, you can be super at a lot of things, but you can't be super at everything all the time. And, you know, as I, as I have gotten older, I think that um, one thing that I've learned is that there are, there are times and there are things that it's okay to just be okay and not be the A+. Plus. Um, you have to learn how to prioritize and you have to know and identify what's important and what you have to put your A game on for, and what you don't. Um, and that's the trick to balancing. Well, well, um, well let's get back to your business. Um, again, the name of your company? Juris Solutions. Okay. And, and what do you do? So we provide um, legal services um, in the form of, of attorneys, legal staff augmentation, and executive search. Well, uh, if I heard you earlier in the conversation, you, you've kind of evolved. What factors um, uh, impelled you to evolve, evolve? Smart move, but I'm just curious. Uh, was it a single event, changes? Uh, what, what was it that... Uh, convince you to evolve and expand? Um, it really was a complete, um, you know, change in the marketplace. Um, the um, economy has had a significant impact on legal services generally, um, and there was a, you know, there really has been a complete disruption of the old model. I mean, historically, the, um, you know, legal services had, had not really changed in, you know, hundreds of years. And this is the first time we've actually had a real shift. And so corporate America is under tremendous pressure to contain costs. Um, law firms are under, you know, significant pressure to provide cost-effective solutions. And so, you know, in this disruption, there, there a gap occurred. And so we were able to fill this gap and be able to um, really provide a solution to both sides, whether it's the corporation or to the law firm, to augment um, what they already had in place. So it really was a result of, of a change in, in the entire um, uh, structure of the legal system that uh, has uh, really created a tremendous amount of opportunity for us and for the lawyers that we have working. A friend of mine who's a lawyer said that large corporations finally started to look at their legal bills. That's correct. Well, I, I, I'm going to tell him that. Uh, he, he's been uh, crying in the wilderness for the last three years on that issue. Yep, that's it's very it's very true. It's very true. Cost well, you know cost containment and efficiency and more value out of legal spend is critically important to corporate America today. If I remember correctly, uh, for the first time, some law schools have actually reduced their tuition uh, for new uh, entries and are uh, 
trying to cut down the time from three years to two years or one year. Um, uh, are there still opportunities for law, uh, new lawyers in uh, in the, the nation's economy? Um, there are opportunities, um, for sure. Um, I think that... Um, you know, anyone going to law school today, um, it would be wise to sort of think the path through before they go um, and and figure out what they want. If they want to work for a large, um, you know, M-Law firm, then there's a certain path they need to take. They need to go to a top law school. They need to graduate at the top of their class. If they want to work in government service, there's another path you take, and there are law schools and, and you know, schools that would position you to do that. Um, I would just be more strategic in my plan, and I would, I would have an idea before you go to law school what it is you want to do. Well, that's great advice, not only for law school, but for uh, everything else. Um, uh, I've always uh, admired the, uh, the the young person who goes out and, and becomes a single practitioner um, mm -hmm. or, go, or chooses a small firm uh, and tries to build his or her own, own uh, book of business. But um, uh, it seems to me that there's an awful lot of competition out there um, do you have people um, that are, in effect, full-time freelancers, uh, or are most of your people full-time freelancers, or, or um, that you place, or uh, where do you get your um, uh, body of uh, experts? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think that you really, you actually hit the nail on the head because you, you started by the question by referencing people that hang their own shingle, and um, it's very interesting because you know most people don't go to law school because they're really good at sales, right? They go to law school because they enjoy the law and they want to be a practitioner. Um, you know, in traditional law firms, um, you know, it didn't used to be this way, but today. Everybody needs to have responsibility for bringing in business, right, to, to be um, a rainmaker of sorts. Um, no longer do law firms have the luxury of having what we would call maybe, you know, service partners or, you know, the legal experts within the firm that did the work while other people brought in the work. And so really when when the economy started, started to um, go south, you know, um, a few years ago, law firms were really put in. And, and you know a bad position because um, they could no longer afford to keep these service partners on. You really had to you know so so a lot of those folks were actually uh, released into the marketplace. So our model, why it works um, for the lawyers is you know they don't have to rain make. We give them the jobs, we find them the work. It allows them if you are someone who is you know you are a patent specialist and that's the work you really want to do. That's the work we will give you. So it allows people to specialize. It um, you know, allows them to practice law without the pressure of rainmaking. So for, you know, the, the lawyers themselves um, that, you know, really want an opportunity to just practice law, it's a great option. So it's a career choice. Um, and so, you know, I think historically when people think of temporary, you know, workers, you think of people who can't get jobs. Um, that's not really the case. These are people who are making a career choice um, to um, work through this model of, uh, of uh, legal services. 
It's, it's funny how it's changed. Before it was go, get with a corporation and stay with a corporation all your working life and, would, and get a pension at the end. But now right. it seems that uh, we, we seem to be uh, a nation of serial jobs uh, and or uh, 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 serial freelancing. Uh, I, I, that to me is the simplest term for, for that, but... Um, uh, the world is a different place than we started with. It is. And, and you know, the term freelancer actually doesn't really um, apply to our model because these folks are our employees. So they are W-2 employees of, of Jurist Solutions. So a freelancer is, is someone who sort of, you know, um, that runs, you know, has their own, um, you know, an independent contractor has their own little business entity. These folks actually work for us, and so our goal is to create, you know, we really want them to feel part of something and that they belong to, you know, our company and that uh, we value uh, the work that they do, and, um, you know, we want them to, to um, you know, be treated as the professionals that they are. Well, I hope you'll come back again. We're getting close to the end of our hour. But I hope oh, you'll come back to. again and uh, talk some more because uh, it's you. fascinating. Thank no, thank you. Again, uh, how people can reach you? Um, uh, so our our website is uh, com, and that's J-U-R-I-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. Um, and uh, my email is towers at J-S-L hyphen hq.com Can you say it again? And spell sure. out uh, Towers, please. It's C, Towers, as in a tall building, T-O-W-E-R-S, at J-S-L hyphen hq.com Thank you, Cindy, for being with us. And as I say, we'll have you on again. Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. I'd love to come back. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.